Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. Today is a guest episode, and I'm really looking forward to introducing you to Jeremy Brim. Jeremy brings 20 years of experience as a business growth and work-winning professional across both the public and private sectors. Jeremy started his journey to financial freedom in 2013. Having lost out on his initial dream of an equity partnership with his employer as the business was sold to a PLC, Jeremy realised that he would need to make it for himself. He and his wife Julie set out to both stabilise their overheads, budget carefully and to create a lower cost base whilst also focusing on generating significantly more income and investing wisely to create a platform for financial freedom in the future. Over the following 10 years, the couple launched a group of companies and researched and acted on investment opportunities across property, stocks and shares and ethical and sustainable investments, as well as funding other businesses and even buying into a supercar dealership. Welcome on to the podcast, Jeremy. It's great to have you on. Thank you very much, Leslie. It's fantastic to get to spend some time with you. Thank you very much for having me. My absolute pleasure. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests. What's your money story? Thank you. So um, we'd have to go all the way to the way back when, won't we? Um, So um, I've been very lucky to have a great career and it's it's really come home to me recently because I've been lucky enough to spend some more time with a couple of people that I worked with early in my career that really feature in the story I guess that have reminded me of a few things and put me in my place actually reminded me of a few things I'd forgotten um I was blaming them for that was definitely my own fault so um basically I did the classic thing or as everybody does I guess of you know going to school and then university um I guess the real money story bit starts right at the start there so I'm quite lucky I come from quite an entrepreneurial family so my dad's a finance director or was he's retired now um was a lecturer with the ACCA so like a Jedi of accountancy as it were um <laughs> I like that and uh so he uh quite smartly realized when so I've I've got two siblings a brother and a sister my brother's three years younger than me my sister's 10 years younger than me so she was a, a bit later in the story I guess but my brother and I being fairly close and uh, my brother's dyslexic 
And so when my brother was 10 and I was 12, I think, uh, my dad helped to start a mobile disco business. Um, so we used to DJ kids parties, um, you know, and as we got older, when I was 18, we'd do 18th and 21sts and all of that sort of stuff. So a little bit cash in hand. So I hope HMRC aren't listening. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's all in the past. Um, but actually, there's nothing better than lived experience, is there? So what it actually taught us looking back was how to run a business, how to market and sell to people, uh, you know, how to deliver a good service and, and look after your customers. We, you know, we'd get repeat business, you know, we'd do someone's 16th and then they'd want us for their 18th and 21st and maybe their wedding and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and my brother picked up a lot of engineering skills, ele- electrical engineering skills, looking after the equipment. And he went and worked in a as a little part time job as well in an audio um, shop. Um, so he's sort of mending and fixing things. So but of course, one of the key things we learned about was money. Um, and so and my, bro- my brother back then was probably better at it than me. So it was my brother's business. I just worked for him. I was the front of it, I guess. I was the front man. He was more uh, the quiet guy just running the thing. Um, and So, so you were the Ollie was- Mears to your brother's um, Simon Cowell? Uh, yes. That's a, uh, why not? Something like that. Um, and so, but he was quite clever and saved all of his money. You know, his first car was brand new. He got a 1960s VW classic camper van when he was quite young and has a nice house and all that sort of stuff. Whereas I, around A-level six, four, you know, six form and certainly into university and beyond, I, I was doing all of the stupid things that I've only learned about much later in life of buying expensive clothes, you know, wine, women and song and all that sort of stuff and enjoying myself a lot. I've had a wonderful existence, um, but not being particularly smart with money. And so I earned a fair, fair amount compared to my mates that were stacking shelves and all that sort of stuff. But I guess the important bit was the entrepreneurial kind of skills and particularly public speaking and how to present and how to sell to people so my first re- my, my kind of first real jobs um I, I was really lucky i joined a business called Michelle pretty much straight out of university um and was the youngest allowed to hang around with a crowd who went on to be really successful particularly as a guy called graham keen um who was head of the winning work function for their their outsourcing business in in local government and housing stuff we were doing and we were really successful we won every deal that we bid over about a seven year span and scaled quite a big business and it got us noticed graham went and got um headhunted by a company called ec harris who were kind of the world's preeminent quantity surveyors and project managers um, and then he bought a number of us across to the business with him over the couple of years that followed. And the interesting bit, so Michelle was a PLC. Um, so you could buy shares and have, you know, I did a share save scheme as a as a kid at Michelle, uh, but I didn't really understand it. Um, and actually, Graham, uh, I pushed, it was Graham that I, I've had a couple of coffees with recently uh, in terms of to sort of, position his level of success he lives on his super yacht in hong kong harbor next to his other super yacht um so he's done okay um you know he he ended up at ec harris running the business for all of asia with twelve thousand staff and for arcadus who bought ec harris later in the story um so graham and a lot of the people around me then were very good with money obviously 
Um, he got very much into investing in stock, you know, big value shares in businesses that had taken a bit of a tumble that were clearly going to recover and made a lot of money. He invested a lot of money in shares. I think he was the second biggest shareholder in Mouchel, which is a publicly listed, or was a publicly listed business then, after the chief exec um, you know, put put all of his uh, efforts into the business. In effect, bought equity in the business and did very well. And he was telling me to do the same, and I didn't really understand or was too busy enjoying myself, so I didn't. Um, and he remarked, so I had a pop saying, "Why didn't you tell me about all this money stuff when I was younger the other week?" And he said, "Well, actually, Jezza, I did. You remember we you know told me about we went to Newcastle on a business trip, and he sat me down and explained all this stuff, and I'd forgotten that and." I ignored him, which was, to be honest with you, was a massive mistake because I've only realised a lot of the stuff he was trying to coach me on in the last 10 years. And this was 20 odd years ago. So missed a big opportunity, I guess. Um, But anyway, so we joined EC Harris, which was a partnership. And in the money story, that's where the money stuff started to become alive for me. So this was from the age of 26, 27 to into my early 30s. And so I was the youngest associate director in the history of the firm, 100-year-old business, other than the chairman. He used to wind me up about it. Um, And I was on the partnership development program to become a partner. And that became my route to financial freedom and success. Got very wrapped up in becoming a partner, getting equity in the business, being successful, and then retiring early, you know, getting my share back out of the business, I guess. Um, And classically you get bumps in the road don't you so just before i was due to make a partner in the business they sold the firm to a plc so i ended back at square one um so all of my mates in that group of six or seven of us that had joined the business and done really well for the business they've all got houses in thailand and yachts and stuff um and i didn't i mean it was absolutely the right business right choice for the business absolutely the right thing for the partners to do great cultural fit geographic fit etc but I, I literally missed the boat. Um, so that was a bit of a disaster for me personally, I guess. Um, so having invested a lot of heartache and time and effort in winning. So I, I ran the work winning function. I'm I, By trade, I'm a bid writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I these days fundamentally help people. My core business, Growth Ignition, is a transformation consulting and training business all in the work winning space so i teach people sales skills how to position for deals and then how to write winning bids fundamentally Uh, and i learned all those skills from graham and from the people around me back as a kid and it served me very well so i can't i can't complain but that was a bit of a setback so Mm. i i then got into trying to find myself in other equity positions i guess or jobs that would have equity attached um and so i left uh arcadus after about a year i think after merger having learned a lot about how businesses merge together and things like that so i I helped two businesses in the debt recovery space merge together and the idea which had been bought by a pe firm and there was a sniff of equity or you know sort of shares in that which could have been quite good Uh, but then i got enticed within six months of starting that journey one of their smaller, more interesting competitors, JBW, um, headhunted me to join their board instead. Um, so, which I did. So, I, I joined. Uh, it was owned by a guy called Jamie Waller, 
who was very entrepreneurial. He was very much on a track to sell the business, grow and sell the business. I think he'd failed to sell the business three times for about 10 million quid. And so um, I, but together with a, a chairman who joined, uh, helped build the plan and execute the plan to win a few strategic deals, which we did, and sort out all the pipeline data and the MI, which helped us write a compelling IM information memorandum to eventually sell the business. So in a two-year span, we took it from having failed to sell for 10 million, we sold it for 26.6 and sold the technology platform for another nine. Mm -hmm. So there's a common theme here. Jamie has a yacht. (laughs) (laughs) You're not bitter, are you? (laughs) No, not at all. And he's handsome, the bastard. Um, But yeah, he he did very well out of that. Um, It became apparent though, I, I hadn't been very clever being a bit naive. I hadn't got a few things written into my contract and didn't quite receive all of the money out of that sale that I thought I should or might. So that was a bit of a shame, but did all right and learned a lot of skills out of it again. But again, it wasn't the lottery win, wasn't financial freedom or anything life-changing. Um, and so then my last sort of recoiling from that and we'd got through the construction recession by then. So I could go back to my natural habitat sector wise, which is generally construction, professional services or Mm -hmm. contractor. Uh, So CV wise, I could do with getting some bigger, sexier stuff back on the CV. So I joined Mace who built the Shard and the London Eye. Um, Coolest builder in the world. Fantastic super brand, awesome business uh, owned by five or six fairly aggressive blokes. Um, but in, then, but the business has evolved and has grown. So I spent four and a half years as the work winning lead. I, I had the bid function, capture function for the construction business. So my first job for a builder. Um, and again, there was a sniff uh, kind of an, it was intimated that if I did well, I'd get some equity in the business and all that sort of stuff, which I don't think was ever true really. Um, but anyway, I, t- I helped them take the business from a billion to two billion turnover in four and a half years um lots of very hard work we won my team won tottenham stadium and battersea power station and loads of data centers for some big brand companies around the world and i had a great time and i learned a lot but my dad pulled me to one side in the march 2018 and less than politely explained i was killing myself making other people rich again and that there wasn't an equity play and I needed to rethink my life plan and strategy and do some stuff for myself because this model of working really hard in a business and hoping that someone would give me equity or maybe having it written down but not strong enough or whatever clearly wasn't playing out. And yeah. the back the backstory was my dad had bought a business with four mates and a PE firm when he was 50 um and then he got exited or sold his shares when he was 60-ish and um you know he's a millionaire now drives around in a morgan sports car looking quite smug done very well for himself um and so there's a slightly painful exit but um the the underlying story is that he's financially free and some and so he challenged me i was 39 at this point he challenged me to do the same as him but whereas he did it between 50 and 60 call it he challenged me to do it between 40 and 50 so uh, we have a one pound bet um which is that i've got to be financially free by the time i'm 50 um with a much bigger there's some rules there's a notepad around my parents house um with some rules written on it 
that kind of part of the intervention, I guess. Um, so I'm not allowed to have many staff because uh, I don't enjoy line managing people as in the HR bit. Yeah. Um, I love developing people, coaching people. Um, but I don't I don't really like the line management stuff. And I, I'd had loads of staff and done all that. Um, and I, there needs to be a much bigger crossover of what I'm good at and what I enjoy doing. Um, and I'm not allowed to work in London full time. You know, I've, I've, I can't have long commutes all the time and that kind of stuff. Uh, fundamentally, I think my parents both wanted me to spend more time with my wife, more focused on my health. Uh, and all of that kind of thing as we were just talking off camera you know I've I've developed type 2 diabetes as a direct result of my behaviors when I was younger you know doctors being fairly blunt with me uh you know you, you've had a bit too much of a good time when you were a long, younger chap and not looked after yourself um and you know needed to sort myself out so um so I started my own business growth ignition in the October 2018. Uh, I stayed for six months with Mace to make sure some of my kids got the promotions they deserved and saw through some change stuff. And, you know, it wasn't a bad exit. We're very much on good terms. In fact, I'm doing some work with their consulting business at the moment. Um, so, you know, it, it was a nice exit. But I think, you know, the boys that own the firm recognised that I needed to go and do my own thing. Um, so, you know, got a nice quote and nice reference and things, but it's time to go. So started my own business with uh the the real direct underlying strategy for financial freedom baked into it so it's very hardwired um yeah. so it is unashamedly a lifestyle business um and unashamedly is an engine room to create wealth now but how we do that so i, I have my business growth ignition my wife had already started her own business the year before and was kind of inspired me really Oh, sorry, kind of inspired me really to do my own thing too. So she's got a marketing agency, marketing mixology that's quite successful. And we're our plan is joined at the hip. So the Jules and I have done this together in lock in lockstep kind of thing. And so we have a monthly money meeting. You know, we've developed our strategy together. We look at how we're doing against our strategy as well as tweaking the usual, you know, household spending and cars and all that kind of thing. So um yeah, basically, the, the concept is to as live as frugally as possible for a 10-year span. Um, so we've done all of the big holidays to Asia and the States and all of that kind of stuff. We're very fortunate that we have our in-laws live in Crete, halfway up a mountain, very nice house. And because we've now got a two-year-old we need to go and spend time with them. Yeah. And so our holidays tend to get monopolized. We're going hanging out with them anyway. So we only have to play the flights, which is not much money. So, um, and and we'll, we will want to do the more global travel and stuff when Juno's a little older and she'll be able to remember it anyway. So it kind of, we've been lucky that it we'd left having kids a bit late, but actually it's all kind of worked out. Um, worked out. We're, yeah. we're probably doing all of this 10 years too late, if I'm honest. Um, and it's made the plan to freedom harder because I've got less time to do it before I get old and broken, I guess, or even more old and even more broken, I guess. But um, so it does require real focus. So out of my office window is our family car, um, which is worth about two grand. It's a Toyota hybrid. So it's zero tax, 200 quid a year to insure, 250 quid, 300 quid a year to service, got 100,000 miles on it. And so whereas when I was a lad, and I was being silly and didn't understand money and I hadn't been good enough to you know, spend some time with you, Leslie. 
Um, you know, I had two BMWs at once. Once I had an X5 and a 130M Sport, just because I felt like it. That was before my 17 year old would be very, very envious listening to you now. <laughs> I mean, it was really, it was really cool. Yeah, but it's a bit like having two uh, nice cars like that. It's a bit like having a pet elephant. Everyone else thinks it's a great idea, but it costs you a bloody fortune. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I lost shed loads of money in depreciation because it was the year that petrol went through the roof. And the car tax laws change or, or levels changed. So they both suddenly became 450 quid a year to tax instead of 200 or whatever it was. And so difficult to sell. So anyway, yeah, yeah. my dad used to, open, when I go around my um, parents' house every couple of weeks for what I call the inheritance protection Sunday dinner, um, <laughs> my dad my dad used to open the front door and just go, diesel golf, son. And then he'd just walk off. Um so um, I, I learned that lesson uh, partly with my wife's help, really, um, when we bought that car. You know, certainly, we bought that car about six years ago, I think, and have followed the classics of buy a Toyota, you know, drive it to the service it, but drive it to the wheels fall off and then do that again. So, you know, we that kind of is an example of what we've done throughout uh, how we spend money. So that's the cost bit. So same with the house, you know, we bought the cheapest house on the street, but then done it up. We, um, you know, we don't live in an expensive house and our house is cheap to run all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I did, I did my shed up the winner's shed, as I call it, that I'm talking to you from, but with reclaimed materials from my mate who's a builder and, you know, it's net zero, it's fully insulated and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we, we we do things as sensibly and as frugally as we can on the cost base. We pay ourselves, you know, just under the tax limit, as it were. We pay ourselves 50 grand a year each, which is a lot of money to a lot of people, but it's a decent standard of living. But then anything that the business generates over that 100K or the two businesses generates over that 100K is invested for our financial freedom mm-hmm. target in effect. Um, so can I we, stop? Can I stop you there? If that's okay, yeah, yeah, because it, there's there's so much you've said along the way that I, I'd love to try and unpack in in a kind of order, if possible. Yeah, yeah. Because I think Appreciate. you know, listeners, will, there'll be lots of different things that you said that listeners will pick up on and probably want to know more. So the mm-hmm. first thing for me is congratulations to your dad or your brother or all three of you for having that real you know entrepreneurial flair spirit when you were much younger you know mm. setting up that you know that mobile disco business what an idea to have not only because it was giving you money and the experience of managing money but as you so eloquently said all those other skills that came with it. Yeah. Where was it your dad's idea, your brother's idea? Where did that come from? Um, so our, my cousin Andy, um, who's who's Charlie, my marketeer, is down the other end of my shed beavering away, he's, he's her uncle. Um, he had a mobile disco business of his own. That he, so he's six years older than me. So he was a bit older, had been running a mobile disco business as a young lad with his best mate. And so we could see that my dad could see that my dad's quite close with Andy. Andy's dad passed away when he was quite young. Andy's his sister's kid. So my dad's quite close with him. And um, and so sort of got the idea, the germ, the germ of the idea that that's the sort of business that we could run as kids was from that. 
but that obviously as a parent, it, you know, he had to drive us around. We couldn't drive for the first few years of the business and, um, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So it, it did require some effort from my dad to come along. You know, he literally used to come along and do it with us. So um, it, it almost became his hobby as well. Um, but, you know, I think what he'd realised was that schools don't teach you about money which is obviously a massive thing that you must come across yeah. all the time. Yeah. And certainly Charlie's working on something that we'll talk about in a bit, our Destination Freedom Programme. Um, and she's just literally come out of sixth form and has not been taught a thing. I had to explain income tax to her. Um, she was like, they take how much? I know, um, it's a shocker. You know? yeah. So um, I think my dad was quite smart in getting us to learn about money and running a business, but also the sales skills, all of that kind of stuff. Because you just don't get taught that at school, do you? And it's it particularly moving forwards in an AI automation dominated world. All us humans will have left is interpersonal skills, sales skills, and then the need to you know, manage money effectively as things get ever more difficult in many ways for many people off into the future. So, yeah, yeah you're right. It's a, it's a key point to pick up that creating an environment where we were exposed to understanding that stuff was crucial in lots of ways and has been beneficial in lots of ways throughout our lives actually yeah absolutely and i think as well you know one of the easier things that parents can do to help their children to understand money and to manage money is to either um give them pocket money I believe in return for doing things, you know, around the house or to facilitate exactly as your dad did starting their own, your own business before yeah. possibly, because you can, you can start a business at any age. You can't actually go and get a job at any age. Most businesses won't have you on the books until you have your national insurance number. So I yeah. think as parents, we should be thinking of, what practically can I do to help my child grasp the concept of making money, managing money, budgeting with money, saving, and thinking about their longer financial goals? And I think, you know, from everything that you said, whilst you recognize you didn't necessarily take the all the lessons on board they were there for you to reflect back on mm. and utilize now and i think for so many children whilst yes financial literacy should absolutely be taught in school i firmly believe it should start in the home because if it yep. doesn't start in the home then a lot of great time has been missed having those those conversations that are age relevant just by drawing the child into talking about a shopping list, talking about the cost of, as you've just done, running a car, helping them to understand that what mum and dad earn is not what mum and dad actually get paid. And we can be having those conversations rather than just sitting back and saying, well, financial literacy isn't taught in schools. No, it isn't. Yeah. But there are things that we can do to bridge that gap. So I really liked what you said there. What do you think was the difference between you and your brother in terms of him learning those lessons when he did versus you not learning those lessons at the same time? Um, 
Yeah, that's a really interesting question. So I think there's 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 two things: distraction and community. I think so. In in the research I've done about money, certainly more recently. Um, so you know, my brother's friends weren't. I was very much going out, you know, drinking a lot, very social, all that kind of stuff, and also buying things for status um you know to show off to other people whereas my brother's character is quite different so he takes after my dad whereas i probably take after my mum a bit more um so you know he's not really into showing off to other people he doesn't really care what other people think um and you know he's a quieter sort of bloke so he wasn't as distracted and he wasn't worrying about showing off to people and all that sort of stuff and the and the, the next step is the community bit so and I'm, I'm sure you cross paths with this thinking all the time, but your your life is heavily shaped and influenced by the five people you spend most time with. Yeah. Um, and again, I I didn't, and, and this has happened on reflection now, this has happened two or three times in my life that I've ended up hanging around with or my, my community, those five people were too heavily skewed towards people who either didn't understand money or were bloody terrible with it. Mm. Um, whereas my brother's community were more people that were quite smart about you know perhaps it wasn't they wasn't front of mind that it was about money but they were just more sensible people i guess so i've never really got wildly off the rails i've never done drugs or anything to any extent but um you know i i, I was too distracted and didn't have the right community around me and so there are it's quite interesting now having a two-year-old and working talking to jules my wife about how you know you can't tell your kids what to do you know outright all the time because they'll they'll just you know Juno will just go off and you know you do all the wrong things anyway but yeah. we can create the right environments for her and so even down to you know we are not argue but we talk about this stuff at length in terms of you know even what clubs and, and activities should she do it that will give her the right community in the future as a for instance yeah um, you know, we we think deeply about that stuff. Which school is she going to go to? Um, that she's going to get the right community, and not not so it's not just about the education because actually your kids' outcomes are more steered by their friends and their friends' parents than by you. By yeah. the time they certainly get to secondary school, yeah. So all of that kind of stuff, it's really important to try and have at least a strategy and try and manage the probabilities and risk around if you like um then then to just leave it to chance and yeah. and so yeah some of the bumps in my road were because i didn't have the right community and i was distracted showing off to people that didn't give a toss about me anyway um and i think i think as well it, it you know it does come down to that a, a penny does drop you know at a certain point and you made a very good point there with regards to we can steer our children but we have to recognise that they're not necessarily going to listen to us. They have to find their own way. And I was reminded of this very, very recently. Twelve or so months ago, my husband and I, we encouraged our eldest son to um, apply for a job in Waitrose on the checkout. And he very, very strongly pushed back against us. I don't want to work in Waitrose and I don't want to work on the till. 12 months later, he's now working in Waitrose and on the till. People might think, ah, he listened to his parents. No, he said to me two or three weeks ago, mum, 
you should know by now, I'm going to do the things that I want to do in the time frame I want to do them. And I think there's so much, you know, there's so much truth there as a parent. We can guide our children will take on and assimilate a certain amount of information. But when and if they use that information is totally going to be when they decide to do that. And I think I'm I'm learning as a parent to stand back a little bit more like by the sounds of it, your dad has had to do over the years with you. He's had to sit back mm. and let you learn the lessons that you have learned because you now are doing what he probably wanted you to do for a while in terms of going back to your entrepreneurial roots and recognizing you will be the master of your destiny when that penny drops that you have to be the master of your destiny. Yeah. I mean, the thing with life is you hindsight's in 2020 vision is it um i think i i like i say i really really wish i'd started my entrepreneurial journey for myself 10 years earlier but then in some ways i wouldn't have had all the experience that i've got i guess that's helped with what i'm doing now um and uh i i really wish i'd started my money journey certainly much earlier I, you know, I did i did listen to my dad and others on some of the basics like you know maximizing what i was putting into my company pension and things like that so i always put in the maximum that i could and just sort of you know put it in and forgot about it and that has served me really well so when i did actually come to build my strategy uh, for freedom i'd already got a decent pension pot that i could rely on it's not massive but you know it's 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 fairly decent um so that that was better than nothing certainly so i was very glad that i'd done that um, I wish the money had been better invested and, and the performance had been better, but at least I'd got that bedrock. Um, so yeah, that that was important. Um, and then I, yeah, I just think the the gift of being able to start a business and that it running well and and you know generating wealth ultimately is just a gift that people are not taught about at school. You know, school teaches you to be a good employee, probably a good factory employee. Um, that kind of thing, kind of batch education. Whereas we need to be taught entrepreneurialism. You know, I've I've got a call on Friday with my best mate Jack, who's just starting his own business, and um, I've had to be fairly robust with him. I need to teach him how to run a business. Yeah, because no no one's ever taught him. No. He doesn't know what accounting packages are or business banking. He doesn't know about corporation tax. Or, you know, if he has a limited company, VAT returns or any of that stuff. And um, that doesn't even know it exists, really. And the tr- if you get that stuff wrong, you're in big trouble really fast. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that whole education thing is key, really is. No, I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. And I, th- I think as well, I think it's incumbent upon us, you know, as entrepreneurs to actually make people aware that it isn't as easy as some people like to make it look. There is a number of fundamental steps that you have to have. And equally important, there is a mindset shift that is required from working for somebody and working for yourself, because it isn't just a case of 
well, yes, when I work for myself, I can take holidays when I want to, and I can take a Friday off every week, et cetera. There's a lot yeah. more to it in terms of creating that, that sense of security and the freedom that goes with it. Yes, but equally, that whole that one of the things that keeps people roped into that matrix of, of um, you know, PAYE stuff is the fear. You know, oh, yeah, the first thing everyone says to you when you say you've got your own business, oh, so much risk, you know, compared to us having a job. And they don't realize, you know, in the UK, for UK listeners, um, you know, companies can get rid of you at any point in the first two years for a drop of a hat for no reason at all. And they will find, you know, I used to spend lots of my time when I was in corporates doing restructures and all that kind of stuff, finding ways of getting rid of people. It's not that hard or and or you just have to pay them off. So it, it's not that much more risky having your own business. And to be honest, in your financial journey, you know, if you take, follow sort of Ramsey's steps, um, you know, one of the first things is to get six months money behind you anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we've, one, one of my next steps was to get, I, I won't use the language, uh, Leslie, because you're a lady, but the F off money. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for a number of years now, um, doing what I want to do, not just grabbing work and having to work with people that I don't like. So we as a business and my wife's business are the same. We only work with people that we genuinely want to be successful and help them be successful. Uh, we have a no dickhead policy to use some of the rude language. Um, so uh, that's been quite a step change. Having the financial basis to be able to do that is really freeing. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got literally the cash in the business to have a year or two off if we wanted to. Um, and so that is really transformational in life and, and one of the key building blocks towards that eventual. So we're independent at the moment. I would say that the end goal in now, so I'm 44 now in six years time is full freedom to not have to work if we didn't want to, um, which isn't actually the goal. Um, the go- it's so the I'll, choice, isn't it? It's the choice. The choice so, yeah. I mean, the, again, my, my parents and Julie's parents' stories um, do inform ours so we're learning lots of lessons in how not to do certain things and how to do certain things from both sets of parents and from our wider research, I guess. But the slightly icky end of my dad's working story was he was exited from his business. The PE firm ousted him um, and he had to go to court to get his money out or nearly Um so that was quite an unpleasant end to his working life. And uh, he had quite a big car accident with my mum in the car a couple of weeks later so which really shook his confidence and so he in effect he stopped working overnight yeah and there are consequences of that so mm-hmm. he's he's in his 70s now but um you know soon after he retired he wasn't as sharp and frankly he's not he could have gone on and advised charities and smes etc with his vast experience in international business and accounting He'd have been an extremely valuable non-exec and that kind of stuff. And I, I just think his confidence was was so knocked that um, he, he didn't get into doing that. So I will probably never stop working. Uh, but the work that I do will be focused on creating value either for my family or for I do have an aspiration once I'm past 50 to do more work with charities and the third sector, um, you know, board advisory stuff for, for social enterprises, etc. Um, I've started some of that already. Um, so we, we kind of have a, a slightly blurred strategy of we've got our invert, we've got the cost with cost 
you know compression or reduction and, and running a you know a fairly frugal life but we, we've uh, we've creating value and taking a share of that value from clients so making decent money and investing that in in different streams whether it's stocks and shares or whether it's uh you know we do i do stuff in backing bridging loans with a particular partner and we've even got into funding um i, f- I fund the, the purchase of some supercars for a supercar dealer that sells them and i get a share of the profits so we, so everything that we do though in our strategy or most of the things that we do are aligned with our interests so the cars thing i wanted to go to a bunch of i like cars i like to drive nice cars so you know, in that i get to take nice cars to car shows which i would have been going to those car shows anyway um you know so why not fund the stock make a bit of money and get to car shows i was going to go to anyway but in a maserati so that's a nice alignment we yeah. try to join the dots as we call it um we didn't pull it off actually one of the other things we were going to do was buy a nursery business because we needed a nursery for juno so rather than paying someone else a grand a month or whatever it is why not buy buy a business or start a business and um uh, and do it that way but just of late the resource constraints on businesses like that the risks too high they really struggle to attract and retain staff yeah. so it was, we decided not to do it we've just put her in a great nursery instead but so but we tr- do try and be entrepreneurial in everything that we do and create value rather than just more cost or liability we try to create assets in effect rather than liabilities and i think it, what you're talking it, about there is um creating a life by your design rather than to the formula that is dictated by the state essentially that says yeah. at a particular age you know you're gonna retire and the connotations that they put on what retirement is and i think for lots of us we don't want to view life in that cliff edge way where one minute we're doing something, the next we're not, and then we're wondering what the hell happened. Yeah, exactly. No, it's not not my journey at all. So we're now five years, the business was, my growth ignition was five years old at the start of last month. Um, And so we're five years into the plan. There's obviously been bumps in the road, pandemic, recession or whatever we're calling it at the moment uh we've had clients uh go bust and all of that kind of stuff but fundamentally where we find ourselves rough and tough in the place now is that between the two businesses we just need to invest 40 grand a year every year for the next five years and then we'll be financially free if our investments pay off but that's kind of just the baseline i guess um so and that's not ideal that's a lot of money to a lot of people but that's not a a particularly stiff target for us um we we, we've been comfortably generating a surplus of way 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 more than that um in the last two or three years at least um so we're in a really privileged position and what that's meant is you've got the peaks and troughs of life as well so because we've got a two-year-old um you know i saw some stats the other the other week that you by the time your kid is 12 you will have spent 75 percent of the time you will ever spend with them yeah i know um and by the time they're 18 it's 90 percent. yeah so we're we're very focused and we've wound the businesses down a bit actually um until she goes to school and then in two years time so for the last two years and for the next two years uh, I've been working three and a half days a week in term time, in effect, 
and a lot of our business is training and stuff anyway so i'm quite quiet in the holidays summer and christmas etc so we, we tend to have a month off at christmas and a month off in the summer together and in the summer we'll go and live somewhere else get an airbnb for a month didn't this summer because i've been standing up destination freedom but uh most summers we do that um and jules so i have gino on a monday jules has her tuesdays thursdays she goes to nursery wednesdays fridays so she socialized with other kids etc and so that's what a beautiful thing yeah, I, you know, what a fantastic thing I, to be honest with you if i was still at mace working as hard as i was there and some of my colleagues did have young kids when i was there i don't know how we would have done it to be honest um you know we've been really lucky or depends how you look at it really but you know my life by your design your life design. by our design yeah. but i tell you i don't know how we would have survived actually we've, we've had a tough year until about three months ago um because juno started nursery and of course everyone with kids knows your kid starts nursery and then they bring back everything bar Ebola. yeah it's just oh, been horrendous yes. and it doesn't stop my... at nursery believe you me my my 15 oh, year old was off school last week and my 17 year old is off school this week it's been really really tough yeah so yeah we, we, we've had a bumpy old year to the point where my accountant did my vat return one quarter and phoned me up and said jesu are you all right because like your turnover is way down and it's because i'd you know juno had been ill then me then jules and you know it's just yeah it's a bit of a catastrophe so um but to be able to the, the business is to sustain us through all of that and not have to dip into any of the reserves or anything and you know all of that kind of stuff has been fantastic yeah. so yeah we are incredibly lucky but you make your own luck don't you through, Absolutely. through, through design Absolutely. And I think through the whole of this conversation, you know, life by your design, taking the lessons, you know, and learning them has been, you know, has been clearly demonstrated. How can people connect with you? So I guess the last little bit. Um, so we are going to tell people about all of the things we've learned on this journey. So mm -hmm. one of the things with, with Growth Ignition I desperately started the business and then desperately started to look for advice in what to do with all the money we were making. And it's incredibly hard to find. Um, you get lots of experts like 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 you and and let's say a lot there's lots of less scrupulous people too um, that will give you advice on a particular facet of what to do on a financial freedom journey. But there's no one that can give you an overview and a flavour of what the different tactics are that you could take. So most people attach themselves to the first thing they come across or something a family member's done. So whether it's property or stocks and shares or ethical investing or whatever it is, most people tend to invest on the investment part in what they're exposed to first. So we're all learning through exposure and mistakes. So we've made lots of mistakes and it, it done lots of research in different things. So what we've spent the summer doing is building and standing up a new program called Destination Freedom. Um, which will be a training program which gives you a workbook in how so it's, it's got a financial literacy element um it's got a strategy piece to it so how to build a strategy for yourself so your long-term vision of where you want your life to be and how you in effect create that uh, for yourself but then it will have uh, a series of tactics that we will work through um that you can with a, a readout in effect for each of those tactics so whether it's property stuff hmos or airbnb stuff or just gen, you know the classic uh property letting stuff uh, whether it's stocks and shares efts or, or whatever it might be basically we'll have a scorecard for each that, that shows you 
what the knowledge required is, the effort required, the level of skill, the risk, the amount of going in money, et cetera, et cetera. And it will signpost you to the experts in each of those fields. So in the strategy bit, there will be a bit talk to Leslie about money confidence, for instance. So we're trying to create an umbrella in financial literacy and freedom uh, that, that people can leverage to then build their own plan with full visibility of a, a much wider range of tactics, if not all the tactics that they could take. So anyway, in terms of connecting us, so uh, that program will launch later this year and into next year. Um, and we'll start with a free challenge. We're not quite launched yet. Uh, I'm not quite sure when this podcast is going to go out, Leslie, because you're so busy. It could be months after we've actually launched the thing. But you should be able it to find be. us. It won't be. Don't worry. It won't be. Uh, <laughs> but um, you should be able to find us on Instagram if you search for Destination Freedom. And I'll give you the handle to put into the notes. Um, and then, obviously, anyone can find me on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Jeremy Brim around with 1M. Uh, and my business is Growth. The core business is Growth Ignition. Uh, so they can always fight growth ignition consulting limited if they wanted to look it up company's house and all that so you should be able to find us at those things and and hopefully we'll be doing lots more work together leslie because as we say some real education in just the literacy part and confidence with money your game incredibly important Mm. and then giving people the tools and visibility of what the art of the possible is the tactics they could take uh, so that they don't perhaps suffer the pitfalls and have to make as many mistakes as I've certainly had to make, uh, I think could be really valuable. So. And don't worry, all the details for people to be able to connect with you will be in the show notes. So they'll be easily able to reach out to you to find out more about the programme and to find out more about what you and your business does and what you what your strategy is for the future as well. So thank you very, very much for your time today. I've really, really enjoyed the conversation. I hope everybody has too and look forward to catching up with you again very soon. Thank you for having me on, Leslie. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to transform your relationship with money, then download my free guide, 77 Ways to Improve Your Money Mindset. The link can be found in the show notes. And if you would like to dig a bit deeper, then complete the Money Types quiz on my website, which can be found at themoneyconfidenceacademy.com.